0: if you are in the grace message concerning every area of your life, but you're not in grace concerning your money, you are basically in the law in 90% of everything. Because you, will be, because you cannot do anything without money. Excuse this example, but you cannot even go to the toilet without money. You need money. So, if the thing that you work for, your job, what you give eight hours a day for, where you live is determined by that money, where your kids go to school is determined by that money, what you wear is determined by money, and if that is still under law and condemnation, most of your life is under condemnation. So, we want people truly free. Because unless, and let me tell you this, if you are a great giver under the law, Your giving doesn't count. The only thing it counts for is what the people that get the money can buy with it. It is simply man's effort to be like God. But once you can be set free from all that condemnation and you can have the place in your heart for Christ to live in you, then God can live in you concerning your money. Then it will not be this thing of well, I'm tithing so that I can be blessed. Because if I don't die, then I cannot be blessed. I had a guy this morning, or, or, or this afternoon, that we, we almost came late. Because I, I woke up, I had a Sunday afternoon nap, and I woke up and I, I read this thing. And uh, I wrote something on, on finances on Facebook. So, <laughs> so this guy came and he just knocked me. He says, no, you know, I'm a false preacher and what, what, what. So um, I just asked him some questions and then he couldn't answer them. And then wrote something attacking me again. <clears throat> so, and the conclusion he came to was, if you don't tithe, because tithe came way before the law. He says, tithe is part of the covenant. He says, if you don't tithe, you can lose your salvation. Now, let me tell you something, that's where it ends. The one says, well, if you don't tithe, you cannot be Blessed. But that is born from the root that if you don't tithe, you'll go to hell. The root of it comes from absolute condemnation. So if it's little condemnation, if I look at a leaf here of a tree, that leaf comes from a root. So the root of that thing is, if you don't do this, God cannot approve of you. Therefore God cannot bless you if God cannot bless you, you qualify for the curse. And the curse part is part of the wrath of God. So you qualify for the wrath of God. And that was this guy's reasoning. So I just said, Lord, you know, here's a guy, he preaches the word, um, and, and he's got a passion to, to get people to the gospel, but this is what he believes concerning his finances. And I must be honest, I felt such a compassion for the guy, I was sitting there with tears. And I said, Lord, you know, if this guy can just believe the truth and be set free, so that Christ can live in him, because obviously he's got a passion for the gospel. He wants the gospel to, be, uh, to, 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 to go to the nations. And he's thinking, where will we get the money for this? If we, and God has given us a system. If the people tithe, then we can use the tithe money for. No, no, no. God has got another system. It's called compassion, it's called generosity. You can never compare generosity with the law of tithing. Once people can become free, that Christ can live in them, then Christ will come into that person in the form of generosity as well. So why can't we just trust God to live in people? And now, when we don't see them, and I think the thing with finances is, you know, if I want to run a thing, I need need God to live in them this week, you know? when it comes to money. When it comes to good fruit or maybe not living with his girlfriend or whatever, God can do that later. But, I mean, we need to pay this thing this week. So let's help God out and preach five steps on behavior modification to get the people to give. And through that, with a, with a heart, with a motive of the spreading of the gospel, comes in a message that hits the church at, at a place where where well, you don't want to be hit, which is called your money. Because you work for money every day. And now there you are condemned. So it's got you. You've got only this momentary blessing when you come to church, when you hear the gospel of grace. But when, whatever, when, whenever it comes to your kids going to university, or this or that or whatever, you've got sowing and reaping in your mind, not the cross. You know, um, if you, and and I want you to check your heart if you think of tithing and sowing and reaping. If I ask you, will you definitely be prosperous next week or next month financially? Will it go well with you? You will think, uh, maybe, you know, it might be, or whatever. And I've asked many people in many churches this question. Yeah, you know, I, I believe, you know, we are believing for a breakthrough. If I ask you, if you die tonight, will you go to heaven? You will say, of course. I will ask you, why? You will say, but Jesus died for me. So here is a boldness with no fear. Why? Because you're using the power of the cross concerning your salvation. But when it comes to your money, we are afraid, because we've never used the power of the cross, but the power of our ability to give. That's why we've lost our boldness when it comes to these things. It's like the one guy said to me, he phoned me and um, I haven't spoken to him for a while, I would love to, he's a nice, nice guy. He said to me, "Bert, you know, can God make me rich? Now I'm not saying you must be poor. But this is what I said to him. He says, because I want to be successful. You know, I've lost everything, I want to be successful. I want to be happy. I said to him, I believe in a God that can make you happy without having money. Like what Warren said, I, I'm fulfilled. I need nothing. That's the true fruit of the gospel. And you cannot teach contentment. You cannot fake contentment. It's either there or it's not there. And it's not a new law in the, in the grace church. that We must now be content so now we're going to bite our lip and we're going to be content. Stop your effort. You're changing the whole thing again. Get into the gospel. Forget about contentment completely. Get into the gospel until you see that manifest in you. For then Christ lives in you. You, you know, if we're not living in this gospel of we make good decisions. You know, we must just make the right decision. Life is all about decisions. Life is not all about decisions. Because you can make the right decision and something wrong can happen to you. I tell you. You can ask businessmen. You've made the right decision according to the book. You've been faithful in paying your, your wages. You've never robbed your people. Nothing happened. The economic crisis came knocked you very hard. You've done all the right decisions. You've, but this is not what happened. So life is not about decisions. What life is all about is what do you believe? What do you believe? Because out of the Bible says the force that drives your life finds its origin in what you believe. So when it comes to finances, I believe it's very important that we understand um, that, that we understand the tithe thing. Now I'm going to go through this very quickly. If you go to Deuteronomy 14. And I want to say this, I'm not against giving. I'm not even against giving if you decide in your heart you want to give a 50 rand a month. I'm not against that. Do whatever you feel. Or wherever you feel. Amen. So it it is as God lives in you. How can I dictate Christ what He must do? Let Christ live in you. Amen. Deuteronomy 14, from verse 22, it says, You shall truly tithe. Now this is the first time the tithing is mentioned and how you should tithe. Abraham gave a tithe. Now I want to say this, Abraham's tithe was before the Ten Commandments. Abraham's tithe had nothing to do with this tithe. Abraham's tithe was something completely different. It was part of a Babylonian system. I might say, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was part of a Babylonian system where you had to give 10% of whatever you win in war unto your king over your area. Now I know why they did that, because if this guy, you know that's got a lot of servants like Abram, would go and make war, and that was a law then, if you would go and make war, and you win the other kings, then you can even overthrow the king, under which you are. So if you don't pay that tithe, you immediately become an enemy. And they know that the kingdom, the is in gedrang. Okay? The kingdom is not safe because he's a guy that can conquer kings but he's not willing to honor the king under which he lives. So, and then they paid 10%. So, Abram came and he was not even from Salem. He was from another area. Then, his, some of his family was living in Sodom. And, and the king of Sodom was overthr- overthr- overthrown by Cedar Laomer which was another king. so, Abram decided he's going to make war with Sidor Laomer, took his servants, made war with him. Now, he lived under, I don't know what the king's name was, but say King John. He lived under John. And he served under John. But then he went and made war on his own with his own servants. And he, he conquered Sidr Laomer. Then he came back and he had to pay tribute to his king. And when he came back, the priest of God came, which was the king of peace, Salem, where we get Jerusalem from, which speaks of, of, of the king of the church. And he came and he said, and what, did, what happened? Did this king demand anything from him? No, he couldn't. He couldn't demand anything from him, because he was in another kingdom. This guy was in another kingdom. For Abram to make Melchizedek, his king, he had to show that I acknowledge you as my king. So how did he acknowledge him as a king? He gave him 10%. That's how he acknowledged him. So the 10% in the New Testament is to confess Jesus as your Lord. Amen. The tithe of Abram is when you make Jesus your Lord. That's what Abram did. You look shocked. Is is it okay? No, listen. In the new, in the old, when you wanted, when you acknowledge, I mean, what happened? Look look, look at the culture. What happened when, when Abram paid a tithe to Melchizedek? He has sworn his loyalty to that king. Isn't it? That's what he was asking. He was saying, That king over there where I live, he's not my king anymore. This one is my king. Now, how do we get that in the New Testament? We live under the kingdom of condemnation. How do we acknowledge, how do we get into the kingdom of light? We acknowledge Jesus as our Lord. That's it. So, the tithe was a way of saying, I acknowledge you as Lord. Abram's tithe. But we're not going to talk a lot about Abram's tithe. We're going to talk about the tithe of Deuteronomy which is mentioned in Malachi 3. So yes, Abram's tithe. So, I want to tell you, if you've confessed Jesus your Lord, you've all tithed according to the tithe of Abraham. Amen. That's gone. No, but the tithe was before the law. So was circumcision and the sacrifice of animals. So must we now take everything that was before the law and do it now? Be circumcised. Sacrifice animals. Amen. Have more than one wife. Get drunk like Noah. (laughs) You see, we've changed scripture so that we can adopt it to a place where we get provision for the vision. You know? Instead of just saying, listen guys, we are all together here, you know, we would like to help poor people. So those of you, we, we, we make a demand on the generosity that God has already worked in you. If God has not worked generosity in you, we love you as much as the person that we, don't see that, that we do see it manifest. Hallelujah. Because we're not the acceptor of the person. We love people because our v- value is Jesus. Amen. And I will tell you, if, if you give to my ministry, and i said so many times, if somebody gives to my ministry, he doesn't score points with me. I tell you, it's Christ living in him. Amen. I will never lower my love for him to the point where I love him according to his giving. There's another way of life, there's another way of love, which is connected to the cross. And I'm grateful to see Christ living in people. Amen. Like Paul said, I want to see the fruit that abounds to your word. The word that's about your life. Amen. Right. So, um, Deuteronomy 14, the other tithe, it says, you shall not, uh, 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 verse 22, but you shall truly tithe all the increase of your seed that the field brings forth year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God. Now listen, you shall tithe of what? Of all the fruit, That your field brings forth year by year. All of it. You shall tithe. Right. Now listen to this. And you shall eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he chose to place his name there, the tithe of your corn, of your wine, of your oil, of the firstling of your herd, and of your flocks. So what will he do with the tithe? Now listen to me. We we just read it there. You'll take the tithe to the place where God said. The storehouse. Right. So you take the tithe to the temple. And what will you do with the tithe? You will eat your tithe. Okay. So what was the tithe? was well, something that you had to eat before God at the temple. Verse 24. And if the way be too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe or if the place be too far for you which the Lord your God has chosen to set his name there where the Lord your God has blessed you then shall you turn it into money. Okay, now the tithe is only becoming money. There's has not even been money. It's been food. Then you can now take the tithe and make it money. So money already existed then. So you can now make it money. Now what do you do with the money? It says then you shall turn into money and bind the money in your hand and you shall go unto the place which the Lord your God has chosen. And you will bestow the money for whatsoever your soul desires after. I have not heard many people preach on TV this for oxen or for sheep or for wine or for strong drink. I'm reading. Some people say, but but the wine it talks about there is just, you know, grape juice. Okay, but this one is now really explaining the thing strong grape juice. (laughs) (coughs) Uh, Okay? Or for whatsoever your soul desires. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice, you and your household. Ze eet ze eet wijn, ze eet bier, die Afrikaans. Ze kan maar hij hunters <laughs> brangen man. Geen maar hij hunters op dagje bij de kerkers, zie je betaal jullie tiende. Hij man wil zijn hunters brengen. So, what does all that speak of? It says, then it says, if, if we read on, let's read on, this uh, uh, do it completely there. It says. Um, verse 26, And you shall bestow the money for whatsoever you sell, verse 27, And the Levite that is within your gates, you shall not forsake him. For he has no part nor inheritance with you. At the end of three years, you shall bring forth all the tithe of your increase, and the same year, you shall lay it within your gates. So, for two years, you're going to take it to the temple and eat it. The third year, you're going to lay it at your gates. In other words, in the village, there where everybody comes together. You're going to lay it there. Then the Levite and the widow and the poor, they can come and take off that as much as they want. Every third year. Okay? That's what it says. Now, what does that talk about? Jesus says, I have come in the fullness in the volume of the book. So that scripture speaks of Jesus. If you don't see Jesus there, you're not reading the word of God. The Bible says, Jesus is the Word. So now, if we want to interpret that scripture, how does that pertain to Jesus? Otherwise, we're not reading the Word. The Bible says, in these last days, He's spoken to us through His Son. So if you want to see that scripture, you must see His Son. If I ask you, where is your sacrificial lamb? What will you tell me? You will say, Jesus is my Sacrifice." If I tell you, where's the where scapegoat? You're going to say, no, but Jesus is the one. He was crucified outside Jerusalem. If I ask you, where's your uh, 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 sin offering? I'm going to say, Jesus is that. If I ask you, where's your tithe? Why do you now head for your wallet? No, no. It's Jesus. So what was a tithe? It was something that you had to eat before God. It was also in remembrance of Him. It was also something that provided for those who could not, could not provide for themselves by their own works. The poor. Amen. What are those poor? Those poor speak about us. Today. All of us. We were poor concerning righteousness. So Jesus was the provision that provided for us when we came short of righteousness and holiness. So He's that tithe that was laid in the gates for whosoever that is poor to come and eat. That same parable was told where it says, go and call the poor and the outcast to come to the feast. Because that feast is the tithe which was called Jesus. It was the meat in the temple. Malachi 3, very clear. Malachi 3 speaks of Jesus Christ. It starts in Malachi 3 verse 1. It says that I send my messenger before me, his name is John. John the Baptist. I send him before me to prepare the way for me. Now starts Malachi 3 explaining the whole gospel. It says your priesthood stinks. I'm bringing a new priest. Then he says, bring ye all the tithe. That word ye in the Hebrew is the word Aleph Taf, or in the Greek, Alpha Omega. Bring Alpha Omega, which is the tithe, to the storehouse. So there can be something to eat in my house. So that people can eat something. So that there can be, what does the English say? Meat in my house. Then Jesus says, my flesh is meat Indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why I say you cannot tithe here. It's impossible. It's impossible. Jesus is the tithe. Hallelujah. And the tithe of Abraham you've already paid, which is to confess Jesus as the Lord. Amen. And now Christ can live in you because you're free of any obligation and the emotion in your heart and the passion in your heart can live forth and manifest in the generosity that you show. That's it. Hallelujah. You know, and and, and if it's only God and me believing this, it's fine, I'm not changing. (laughs) So, even after this, if you've got questions, I'll help you, but I'm not changing. Yes. 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 The temple tax. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's very... Yes. You actually want to know why he paid the temple, temple tax. It was just for the reason of not offending people. That's what it says. So that we don't offend them. Make them angry. You must realize Jesus was living on the earth. He didn't need to pay that. He didn't need to. He came and he did it. The reason why did he, because if he didn't do this, they're going to become so angry, they will create an uproar. How will he preach if there's an uproar in the city? You will, you will go and look at Paul, you know. When Paul comes um, and, and they beat him, they say, why, why do you beat me a Roman citizen? So he uses that so that they can calm down. Then the other time he sees there's a fight. He says, I'm a Pharisee. so that these people can fight so that he can run away. (laughs) It's really what it is. In the same way he paid the temple tax for the reason that he says there, simply that the people will not be offended. That's it. Amen. Okay. He did it, I, I believe that he fulfilled the law in two ways. He fulfilled the law, he paid the temple tax, that which had to be paid by man in the physical sense. But he was also the fulfillment of the law. So, I believe that he would pay tithes. If he had increase. he would go and pay a tithe. But, um, which I I don't think he tithed, because only farmers could tithe, because you couldn't eat a chair, because he was a carpenter. Um, So, that's what I, you know, so he will do all those things, but he actually was all those things. He didn't bring a lamb on our behalf. You know, he was the lamb. He was the temple tax. He was all those things. I mean, that which needed to be paid at the temple, which was Jesus. So the gospel must always be a Jesus-centered gospel. Um, Somebody wrote something on Facebook that blessed me so much. He said he saw uh, with this earthquake in Haiti how they took a child from the rubble, two years old, and saved the child. I don't know if if some of you might have seen that. And um, he said when he saw that, tears came to his eyes because of the redemption Of this child. He said it brought tears to his eyes. But when he saw the joy. In the child's eyes. When he saw his mother. He couldn't stop to cry. And it's just the gospel. The cry of humanity. Is not to take the rubble. Off them. It's to meet. With someone that loves them. From where they originate. That's our cry. That's the cry of people out there. I want to meet with the one where I know He loves me unconditionally. I want to meet with the one whose heart is for me. I want to meet with the one where I know for sure I'm safe. That was what He was crying for. And if we really take the rubble, the law system and all our works and condemnation has already been removed by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. But people can still not see the Father, the One that loves them. And that is the Gospel we preach. That is the Gospel towards you people, all of you. I want to tell you that you can behold your Father that loves you. The only place of safety. The only place of care. The cry of humanity is if they're in hard times... Yes, take the hard time away from me, but I need somebody that loves me. So I want to tell you, that is our passion, that is our heart, that is what we, 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 we are here to um, to minister. Like I said, if we look for God, if you want to see the Father, if you want to see the love of God, and you find Him in any other place, but in human flesh, and I will explain that now, you have not found Him. If you just serve Uh, And and I want to explain that. When God became a human being, when He became a human being, it means something for you and me. It implies something. We cannot believe in a historical Jesus. In other words, as I said this morning, do you believe that Hitler was on this earth? He will say yes. Say, do you believe that he he had an organization called the Nazis? He will say yes. He will say, do you believe he had a moustache? It will say yes. So, but do you believe that he was a German? You will say yes. So you believe all of that, but what does that mean to you now? Nothing. nothing. So you believe in Jesus. okay? Do you believe that he walked to earth? Yes. Do you believe that he died? Yes. Do you believe that he was ro- that he rose from the grave? Yes. Do you believe that he had a physical body? Yes. Now all of that that you believe still means nothing to you unless you can say, but what that means is the following. What it implies is the following. And that is what true faith is called. That saves us. We have been preaching a historical Jesus and not the implication of what Jesus has done. And that is why people are where they are today. We, I mean, if you say to me, do you believe that Jesus was a man? I say, yes. And you know what that means? That means He represented me. Do you believe that He was sinless? Oh, yeah. And that means that I was seen in Him as sinless before God. Do you believe that He died? Yes. When he died, the man that was seeking for righteousness before God through the law has died, for he was born a man under the law. And when he died, he died as a man under the law. And I was a man under the law, and when he died, the man under the law has died. He's dead. Do you believe that he rose again? Yes, and there's something that I want to add there. He was raised by the Spirit of holiness. He was not raised by the law of Moses. He was raised by the Holy Spirit. Therefore I, that believe in Him, am raised into newness of life. That makes me the righteousness of God today. And I believe it as sure as what God lives. I believe it and it's mine. It is God's truth concerning me then your faith means something. But before that, I want to tell you, you might have called upon the name of Jesus and say, Save me, Jesus. And if you die, you'll go to heaven. Applying the life of God, believing in a historical Jesus, means nothing. If you cannot take the death of Jesus and personalize it, it means nothing. He died not for your neighbor, he died, Not for your sins. He died your sins. He died your old life. He obeyed your obedience for you. Amen. I don't have to try and get rid of negative things in my life. He got rid of it. Amen. He got rid of it. I want to just add something here. There's some uh, Satan is a he came in is very sly. Rebellion against the law does not equal grace. Now let me tell you this. I've seen uh, people say, "Well, we don't get together. We don't get together because you know this get together thing is just a law and condemnation. So we don't get together. We stay away from any meetings." So, your life is conducted by what the law does. So, the law is dictating to you. The law says, We hurt people here, then we say, Well, I will never do something like that. Even if God tells me, Go and meet with that person, I will not do it because the law has done that. You're still under the law, my friend. You know, in the beginning, you, you get a hold of, 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 of the message of love and you're so happy that somebody's good to you and that you are right and they are wrong. That you are just hammering how wrong others are. And actually starting a rebellion. Where you are rebelling against something. We're not rebelling against something as believers. We are just... A new revelation just got a hold of us. Amen. <laughs> We're just living a new life. I, I'm not... The, the reason why I gather with people here is not because there's a law that says we must gather. It's not because we want to build a church. It's because there's a passion in my heart to just share the gospel with people. Amen. If there's five here, we've preached here when there was seven. If there's fifty, if there's five, if three, ten, I don't care. I've got that passion to share. And I love to be in the presence of people that believe the same thing and talk the same language. That's why I'm here. No other reason. Just that. In the same way, we, 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 I'm not rebelling against another system. Well, you know, when I was, and I I, I remember that. You know, there was a time when when you were commanded to give, commanded. So now, now I'm not going to do that. Listen, you're still under the law. You're living out of your hurt. You're not living out of Christ and the revelation of the gospel. You're living out of a revelation of how sore it is to be under something. And when you hear, heard that God loves you, you've got enough guts to run away. No, no. We are getting to a revelation of the new man we are getting to a revelation of who Christ is with a confident expectation of the manifestation of that life in us because we cannot settle for anything less than the full life of Christ which we already possess to live in us. Amen. That's why people have said grace became a license to sin. Instead of really understanding that this guy, and there was a time when I did that, there's a time some of you will do that. There's no condemnation for you there. God will still love you. The gospel has not changed. God has not changed. When you were under the law, God was love. When you get under grace, God is still love. If you're in rebellion, God doesn't change. He stays the same. But what we can do is we can get our minds straight about the thing. And say, Lord, you know, I'm tired of being angry because other people are ugly. I'm tired of being angry because other people misuse people. Because all my emotions is born out of other people's sin. I I don't want an action born out of abuse. I want an action born out of a revelation of Christ. (laughs) Amen. Who I really am. And I want Christ to live in me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So let nobody ever tell you, you know, this is just a a license to sin and all that. We need to understand that when we seek God in the Bible, when we look for God, the only place where you can really find Him is where He represents you, where He became a human being. And that's why I said, and when He became a human being, you're a human being. When you look into the mirror, you are seeing God in human flesh because God lives in you. Unless you can find this revelation that God became a human being and find what that implies to your life, you have not found God. Because that's how He speaks. Many people say that they've got this theory that God speaks Hebrew. God does not speak Hebrew. And say so to say, but even he, he understands Hebrew and he understands Afrikaans in English, but he speaks another language. The Bible says he spoke to us through his Son. The language he speaks is this, without words. You did not have to say one word. God, coming to human flesh, representing the whole human race, died for them, obeyed for them, was raised, and when he was raised, he wasn't a ghost, he was a human and then that human being is seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, hallelujah. Where Stephen, when he, was, when he was murdered, when he was stoned, he said, he said something that the Jewish people could never hear. It was too much for the ears. He said, he said this, he said, I see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. Right hand means on the same authority. He said, his face became like that of an angel. He says, I see the Son of Man at the right hand of God. you know why they stoned him? Because he says, God does not live in temples built by hands. There was a young man there. He was Saul. He looked at that stoning, guarding the clothes. You know, that the, the law system and its punishment could never get anybody, so this is God's revelation now, to even... Uh, um, Live holy. Because while they will steal, stone somebody here, somebody's going to steal the clothes. <laughs> the law cannot make you holy. <laughs> They're killing. The, the consequence of the law is shown here, but they steal here, next to it. So Paul was guarding Saul. He's guarding the clothes. But he heard the message. He said, God doesn't live in temples made by hands. When You know the first message Paul preached? The first words he preached? God does not live in temples made by hands. Because it grabbed his heart. There's something there. We seek for God in human form. What does it mean that He seated at the right hand of God? It means that He brought glorification to us. And by faith, we've got access into that grace. Um, I was in Bredastorp and I spoke to somebody there and, and they said that they had this thing, let's hear what God says for 2010. And people will come forward with their prophetic words and the one will say, God says this year is the year of breakthrough. Others say this year is the year of revival. God says, in this year I'm going to reveal more about me. You know, and they had many words. But then a four year old girl came up. And she gave the word of God. She says, now I must stop. I mustn't cry now. She says, Thus is God to me. He says, His heart belongs to me. Amen. Isn't that the power of the gospel? The heart of God belongs to man. The heart of God, the word heart is the word belief system, the way of belief. What He believes belongs to me. And what He believes is true in Jesus. The heart of God belongs to you. How can He condemn you? How can He judge you? Yes, saved you from the law and from all judgment. Thank you Jesus. Let's open the Bible quickly in Luke chapter 2 verse 10. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2 verse 10. listen to this. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 And the angel said unto them Now this is with the birth of Jesus Fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. So what is the gospel of Jesus? It is good tidings of great joy. (laughs) Goeienies van groot blijdskap vir alle mense. Good tidings of great joy for all of men. So when you hear the gospel, the way you know you are hearing the gospel, it brings great joy to whom? To a sinner. To a sinner. It was gospel of great joy. It was the gospel of the salvation of the human race. I'm not saying by that that all of the human race are going to heaven. Because there might be people that reject the salvation of everybody. Okay? So, but God came and saved the whole world from being saved by their works. God saved the whole... Or or let me put it this way... uh, The the, the ANC government, when they came in, they saved the whole of South Africa from apartheid. Me and the colored man and the black man. We were all saved by that. By our faith in what happened in 1994-95, we've got access into that or you can continue to live as a racist. And not experience the deliverance that has come. Okay, so I'm not saying that all people are saved. But I say, as what a new law came in South Africa, salvation has appeared unto all of man, on behalf of everybody. God has saved us from being saved by our works. Everybody has been saved from that. If he believed or not, he's been saved from being saved by his works. And the only thing that will disqualify him is if he could not come and pay the tithe. of confessing Jesus as Lord. Amen. I hope you hear what I'm... You know that they will cut this piece now out and say, listen to what Baptist preached. Okay. <laughs> so, I hope you hear what I'm saying. So, there's a salvation for us all. It's good news of great joy. It's good news. News is not future tense, it's past tense. It's something that has happened. News. News is something that has happened. This has happened. So it's good news. Something something good that has happened. On your behalf. Don't think of your neighbor. Think of yourself. It's time to be selfish. You know, we we, we are very selfish when it comes to our cars and our money and all those things. But when when it comes to the gospel, no, this is for everybody. No, no, no. It's for you. It is yours. It's, this is your gospel. It's for you first. You believe it for you. Amen. He did it for me. He lived for me. He died for me. Hallelujah. If you, if you can start to see that, if you can start to see it's great joy, news, good news. The Bible says this good news is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes. So, what happened is, their salvation has manifested. Everyone that's persuaded of this good news will have the effect of this good news in his life. That's why under certain teachings, you can never have peace. The teaching of God will test you. You can never have peace under that teaching. Because you don't know if what is happening now, God is testing you for some reason. Because we always believe that, that, that you know, we, we must first qualify. We've always had that teaching for so many years. We've believed it. We've taught it to our children. And, and all those things. It's, it's you first qualify, and once you've qualified, then you pass the test, then God will take you to the higher level. <laughs> You're not going to a higher level. Where do you do you want to excel above God? Listen, the human being Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Representing me or you can say me ok representing us now you want to go to a higher level of what where it's impossible for God God to say listen man you've, you've come to the to the level Of the full righteousness of God. Now you want to go to a higher level. What do you want? Not even God can satisfy that. I'm gonna go to a higher level. Because I've now been going around the mountain. If you don't do it right, if you get you're gonna write another test. And if you and you know that goalpost has always moved a little bit, you know, you just come close. You almost get your it's always that breakthrough is just man, I tell you that breakthrough will come now. And we will go to another, for prof- another prophetic word and another touch of oil or something that we can get our breakthrough. <laughs> you are just breaking through into deeper bondage, my friend. That's all. You are not being set free. Christ has come to set us free from all that le- legalistic <laughs> rubbish. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it's like Paul said, uh, uh, David said, he said, he had to be judged. They asked him, do you want to be judged by the people? And this is the judgment for people. And it was a harsh judgment. He says, oh, do you want to be judged by God? The prophet came and asked David. He said, he said and it was a harsher judgment. God's judgment was much worse than that of people. I asked David, what do you take? He says, no, I'll take the judgment of God. Nathan says, why? He says, for with him there's mercy. But not with man. No, there's no mercy. Let me tell you something. If you stole something, and you're going to go to the man, if you cheated the tax man out of a million rand, and you can't pay, and you're going stand before a judge, do you rather want to stand before a judge, or before God? God. Give me God, please. Amen. With Him this mercy. It will be settled today. I'll be free. Amen. Thank God that He sent His Son to show mercy to every human being. And this Gospel is the most... Let me tell you something. I want to say it like Francis Deutsch says it. I'm living the most attractive life that anybody could ever desire. And the greatest thing is that life belongs to you also. For that life is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've got peace. I've got joy. I've got the, the fullness of God in me. There's a, a thing of contentment. There's something of, uh, um, I don't need another two steps or three steps. I'm happy the way I am. Do you believe that you, you, you are you stagnating now? Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've stagnated upon the cross. Of Jesus and what he's done. And I'm not moving. We stagnate there. And my vision is not to preach a different message than what I preach today for the next forty years or fifty years or until Jesus comes. I'm going to preach the very same one. So that when you come next Sunday, you know exactly what you're going to hear. This message. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like the one guy said, But when are you going to come with something new? <laughs> I said, oh my goodness something new when I come with something new chase me God doesn't have this thing of of, He revealed in the early 1600s He revealed this and then in the 1800s He revealed that and now He's revealing this and now He's got a word of His grace you know and then He's going to have a word of mercy then He's going to have the word of the kingdom and then it's nonsense man-made theories that's what it is He's got one word It's the word of your righteousness in Jesus Christ. The only thing that is still to happen is the glorification of your physical body, which will happen in the return of Jesus and you can do nothing about it. There's one gift God has given us concerning that, and that is to wait patiently. Amen. (laughs) And all we do, let, let me tell you this, and I want to end off with this. We're running out of time. Let me just see. As I'm ending over, there might be something very good Uh, (laughs) here. Yeah. When we look at at the life of Paul, and we look at how he believed, and what he believed, you you recall the story of Paul. The power of Paul's conversion didn't lie in how hard he hit the ground when he fell off his horse. It did not lie in how bright the light was that shone. Paul said 14 years ago, talked about that, what happened to him on the Damascus road. He said, I know a man who was taken to the third heaven. In the flesh or out, I don't know. But I was taken there. And there I said, I heard things that was unlawful to say. Now why was it unlawful? Because the law didn't say that Jews and Gentiles are the same. The law did not say you don't have to pay your tithe to be blessed. He heard unlawful things that he preached, <laughs> and the law manifested and wanted to kill him. The letter that he had to persecute the church. The moment he heard what gave Paul the power of his ministry was what he heard, which was unlawful to say. The power of Paul's ministry was not in the miracles he did. The power of Paul's ministry was not in the in in the the, 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 in eloquence of speech. The power of Paul's ministry was in the revelation that he had. Paul went from there to one guy. I think it's. I don't know if it was. I can't remember the name, he went to this guy's house, stayed there, they they prayed for him, the scales fell from his eyes, he was baptized, then he went and preached. He preached for a short while, they let him down in a basket, because he was making too much trouble, in the place where the apostles were preaching all the time. Makes you think, what did they preach? So here was Paul, knowing that these other apostles, nobody, they they said, Paul, just go away here, we've got peace here. So what do you preach in a law system that you've got peace? A mixed gospel. So God saw his twelve, 12 apostles. He worked powerfully there. But he says, I need to up, raise up another man that can believe the gospel. And preach the gospel. Then Paul went to Arabia for fourteen years. That's why the Bible, in the Bible Paul says, according to my gospel. Because he believed that there was nobody else on the planet that believes that was the only one. <laughs> Ever thought of that? Here goes Paul. I've been just chased away out of Jerusalem. Now I'm preaching my gospel. This is the way I see it. There's nobody else that believes in my interpretation of this, but this is what I believe. My gospel. Then Paul came with the thorn of the flesh. Maybe this is going to be a revelation to some of you, but this is what I believe. Paul said... I've got a thorn in the flesh. And he begged God to take it away from him. The Bible says that this thorn was given to him because of the excellency of the revelation that he had. Now, many people say that was so that he will not become too proud or too this or too that. Now, but I want to explain to you what Paul talks about pride and that. He said, what basically came down, Paul couldn't boast. Paul couldn't go and say, I've got a church of 5,000 in Corinth. And I've got a church in Galatia, that are so full of the power of God. You know? He couldn't say that. Because a thorn of the, in, in the flesh was given to him. What is the flesh? It's the works of the law. And a thorn was given, it was called a messenger of Satan. What's a messenger of Satan? It's somebody who preaches the message of the devil. So what happened to Paul is, he would go and start a wonderful church, a g- gathering, preach, grace people will believe it with all their hearts. Then some other preacher will come. When he leaves And mess up the place Now Paul says Well I don't have even, even in anywhere to boast I can't say I've got 150 churches I can't say I've done this I can't say I've done that Oh God If, if you can take that messenger away and kill him Then at least I can say and talk about the fruit of this gospel For it feels as like if it's only me believing this And I can't show anything for it It's like he's writing one of his letters. I send you Timothy, for he's the only one I've got that believes what I believe. So here's Paul and the guy that's 14 years old, the only people believing this. (laughs) Hallelujah. For a great successful ministry. Taking the nations for Jesus. Hallelujah. (coughs) Having another vision, another picture on the wall. Like the one guy said to me, said, This is the vision God's, God has given me. So I said, Okay, build it. Just leave us alone. If God's given to you, you do it. Amen. So many times, if I, I, as a leader, get a vision, now the people must pay for it. No, no. That's wrong. If you get a vision, do the vision that God has told you. If there's people in the congregation that also get the same vision, because of God and not manipulation, let them do it. And if they don't do it, don't condemn them. Amen, because we've got one reference point. So if we can come to the place we can understand. You know that, like Paul, he had nothing. God, I've got nothing. Take this away from me. I don't want this. I want at least be able to say, I've got this big church, I've got this, I've got that. I can boast in the flesh. But in the flesh, there's a thorn. I cannot boast in my flesh. I cannot boast, or other word for flesh is the physical. I cannot boast in the physical because this messenger of Satan is breaking everything in the physical. I cannot boast. God said, my grace message of what I've done for you on the cross is enough for you. Hallelujah. That makes you a powerful preacher. Because you cannot be manipulated, you cannot be controlled. Because numbers means nothing. Money means nothing. There's only one thing that means something. It's the message of the cross, the message of the grace of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Makes you a powerful believer. Let's read Galatians chapter one in the message. Walking in the Paul walking victoriously. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, yeah. He was, you know, he sits in jail and writes a letter, skallum, put it underneath smoke I brief ate, my <laughs> Which we still preach today. Yeah. I tell you, in the eyes of the charismatic church today, they wouldn't even have given Paul five minutes in a cell group. Galatians 1, verse 1 in the message. Paul and my companions in faith here send greetings to to the Galatian churches. My authority, listen to this, my authority for writing to you does not come from a popular vote of the people. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) My authority to you does not come from a popular vote of the people. So he was not popular. Nobody sent him. He got a revelation. And when he got that revelation, listen, Paul didn't preach from Matthew 28 verse 19 that says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Like that. He, didn't, he didn't even know about that scripture. I, I wonder if he ever knew of that scripture in all his life. I don't think that scripture was even written when he was preaching. It wasn't even written. So what made Paul Preach. He said, the love of Christ constrains me, for I've got this revelation, that if one died, then all are dead. I've got this revelation, that God does not impute the sins of the whole world against them. Seeing the whole world sinless. Now, I know that's a difficult one to swallow. But that is the revelation he had. He says God has reconciled the whole planet and all people unto him by not imputing their sins. That means they are sinners, they do have sin, but he's not willing to relate to them on the basis of their sins. If God's not willing to relate to you on the basis of your sin, even if you're you're a sinner, you are treated as a person that's got no sin. That's why I say, you are treated as somebody that's got a notion, that makes you reconciled to God. And then he says, now I've got this urgency inside me to tell people to be reconciled to God. Because God has reconciled the whole world unto himself in Jesus. If one died, then all are dead. Oh, the law man has died, so there's no more Jew or Gentile. So I can go to the Gentiles and tell them that God loves them. I can go to the Gentiles and tell the Gentiles that God took away their sins in Jesus Christ and all I need them to do is to believe this truth unto the point of confessing Jesus as their Lord. Then they, in their minds, are now reconciled to God and there's a wonderful unity. The Holy Spirit comes and seals that salvation in your body. That was, that's why Paul preached. He got a revelation of the salvation of the sinner. It empowered him. It got him to a place where he, all his... Glory at everything he had. He said, you know, all this thing of being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, being trained in the school of Gamaliel, coming out of Benjamin. You know who Benjamin was? He was the favorite son. I don't come from Dan or Reuben or this. I come from Benjamin. Hallelujah. He says, I count all of that done. for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ now we always interpret that I count that done so that I can know more about Jesus no 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 no. he says I count that done because of the excellency of the knowledge that Jesus has about me the knowledge of Jesus is not your knowledge of Jesus it's the knowledge of Jesus about you because of this excellent knowledge, if I must translate it directly from the Greek, because this excellent knowledge of Christ concerning us. That's done. I want to invite you to a glorious, attractive, free life. <laughs> that's desired by rich and poor. And I want to tell you, it's so close to you. It's inside your heart and in your mouth. With a heart we believe and with a mouth we confess unto the salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. I end up by just reading this. It says, My authority for writing to you does not come from any popular vote of people, nor does it come through the, through the appointment of some humans higher up. Galatians 1 from this 1. It comes directly from Jesus the Messiah and God the Father who raised Him from the dead. I'm God commissioned. So I greet you with the great words, grace and peace. If He wasn't God commissioned, He would have gre- greeted Him with Moses and the law. But now He greets with grace and peace. We know the meaning of those words. Listen to this. Because Jesus Christ rescued us from this evil world where uh, we're in by offering Himself as a sacrifice for our sins. God's plan is that we all experience that rescue. Hallelujah. He has rescued you. God's plan is that us, all of us experience that rescue by confessing Jesus as your Lord and believing in Him. By faith we've got access into this grace. Amen. Let us close our eyes. I just want, you know, I I believe the Holy Spirit is the person of God manifesting this truth in our lives. And that's why many people talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. But the true power of the Spirit is it, it flows out of this revelation bringing peace to your heart. I want to, just where you are, whatever situation you are in, I want to tell you it's subject to the cross. It's subject to your true identity in Jesus. I don't care what it is. It cannot take your peace away. The Bible says, make your request known to God. In fear and trembling, in, in, in the original with with." Uh, with prayer and supplication with with prayer oh, sorry with prayer and supplication the original says with prayer and deep reverence or a deep dependency upon so we bring it before god and we are deeply dependent upon his grace we are deeply dependent upon his mercy and the bible say it doesn't say and then you'll have everything it says and then the peace of god will guard your hearts and your minds You have peace that that, that surpasses surpasses everything. In the name of Jesus, I speak by the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus over all of you right now, that peace. We bring every need you have, everything you have before the throne of God. What that means is we say it's subject to the cross. Your business deals cannot dictate to you who you are. Your children and what they do cannot dictate to you on how, how a good parent you are. They can, nothing can dictate to you for the only point of reference to you is the glorified Jesus. Hallelujah. And we believe this. Just receive that peace right now. There are some of you here that are, you've been battered by the law, man. You've been made so tired. And the time has come that you you need to come to to terms and make use of this if I give you a million rand and you never use it you're going to die a poor man many of you have been climbing the ladder in the Christian church and you high up the ladder of the law the problem of that ladder it stands against the wrong wall just climb down there and come to Jesus that he can give you peace let Jesus be your promotion. Let Jesus be your righteousness. Let Jesus be your holiness. Let Jesus be your voice. Thank you, my Father, for the power of the Holy Spirit upon people right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen and amen.